So we've been looking at a study over these period of weeks in October and November, and our sermon series is called The Real God, trying to restore a right view of who God truly is, because most of our problems are because we have a skewed view of who God is. And so the first week we talked about seeking God and how he can be found. And then the next week we talked about the goodness of God, which is foundational. And last week, Jordan did a great job sharing with you about the sovereignty of God. Today, I come like Paul, who was very eager to the church at Thessalonica. And so I want you to listen to the words of Paul. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus, the real God, all right, direct our way to you. There's a hunger for Paul to be with the people he loves, and that's my heart today. I love you guys. I love you. You are dear to me as brothers and sisters. I'm so glad that my life has intersected yours. So thankful for that. Very thankful. And he's so eager to see them. I get the fortune to be here with you. But Paul's hungry and he says, I I, I wish he'd direct our way to you. And may, here's the thing. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. In other words, we would be known people as a bunch of loving people. Like we're not like everywhere else. We're not like over at other places. We're different. There's peculiar. We love each other. And so you have to circle verse 13 and that there's two little words. You've got to get this. So that, why, why we, 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 all, we all love each other and we, we're peculiar, so that what? Why, what's the big deal? So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. I know that holy is a uniquely religious word, but Paul's heart is he wants why the whole thing of us loving one another and growing in love and being a peculiar people so that he would establish you blameless. Don't we all want to return to innocence? Isn't that a part of the problem in the world? Is that we all struggle with our own fallenness and how we want knowing that sin in our life many times makes it hard for us to move forward But he says that the Lord would establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. And so today, I want to talk to you about that whole hunger that we would be a people that God would establish our hearts blameless in holiness. I want to talk to you about the holiness of God. Uh, there's, a, there's a story uh, about a, a guy who is sitting under a nut tree. 
And he is monologuing with God and he is really mocking God. His, his, most of his complaint, they lie at, at, to, um, to God's obvious failure in structural design. And he's just kind of laughing that he's sitting there and he says, Lord, how did you make such, how is it that you'd made such a large tree and these tiny little nuts on it? And then you have these small little delicate plants and they are so delicate, but they have these huge watermelons beside it. <laughs> and he gets up and he's kind of laughing at God and he's like, see, God doesn't get it. And all at once a nut falls on his head and he says under his breath, thank God that wasn't a watermelon. We think we know, we think we understand. But today, just for this moment, I wanna to talk to you about a very important aspect and attribute that we need to know about the real God, and that is holiness. So I heard a pastor not too long ago talk about this. Why is gold the standard for money? You think about Fort Knox where so much of gold is put in the reserve because it's the standard for how we monetize or how our money, it's the standard for money. And if you think about it, why is that? Why is it gold? Why, why is it something else? And if you think about it, it's really for a couple of reasons. One is, if you think about it, it's rare. Hey, any farmers ever been like plowing a field and bump up to some gold like you do rocks? You know, we collect river rocks out of the field and everything, but nobody's ever bumped. It's rare. It's not common. That's one of the reasons that, that gold is a standard for money. But it's not just that. Because there are rare birds. And there are rare fish and plants and mushrooms and stuff. But we can't use any of that. Here's the other thing is, it's permanent. I mean, there's a permanency to gold. Like you lay it there 100 years from now, you're gonna come back and it's going to be gold. And so there's a permanence to gold too. But it's not just that. I mean, it's true we've never bumped into some gold, but a lot of people have. There is gold. Like for example, there may be some very, very, very rare stones 200 feet below the surface of where we're but it may be so rare and it may not be accessible I mean think about that like at least gold's accessible like you can get to it and the same is true of God when we talk about God he is so unique he is so rare in his beauty and it's not just that, but it's also, he's the only thing in a constant world that's changing and the world is built on shifting sand and our lives are just fleeting. And whether it's people or whether it's in this life, in the fallenness of this world, where we never feel like anything's permanent. We start establishing ourselves, it's kind of, we joke, you know, just when you figure it out, then somebody changes the questions but there's a permanency with God. There's a rock solidness to God. And also the beauty is that he's accessible. We know the revelation 
And I, I just want to say to you, we can trust the God of the Bible. He's accessible. He's revealed himself through history and now through Jesus Christ. And now because of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can not only know him, but he, we can also walk with him. And so I want to dream of that for us today, especially for this generation sitting in front of me, that you would grasp the greatness and the holiness of God and that, that you would also not lose the intimacy of what it means to have Jesus as your friend too. But I look on the front of your outline, there is more, there's a lot of print and that is so that you would have something to be able to take with you about this. A.W. Tozer in The Knowledge of the Holy, defining the holiness of God. He says, we know nothing like the divine holiness. It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, in, uh, incomprehensible, and unattainable. The natural man is blind to it. We may fear God's power and admire his wisdom, but his holiness he, we cannot, he, man, natural man, is blind and cannot even imagine it. God is not just good. God is holy. He is transcendent source of goodness, not merely better in a higher, the way we think of it. Oh, that's better than that, and this is better than that. No, 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 no. God is separate. The difference is what makes the all, it almost inarguable. God does not just reveal himself as good. He reveals himself as holy, unique. Separate. In fact, that's the root word. And I put it there on the front of your outline. To divide. This is the holy means. This is what holiness means. is to divide, to mark off, to set apart from all else. It's the opposite of profane. Or to be common or ordinary. To be holy is to be different, distinct, to unique from the common or the ordinary. You might say, Johnny, why are you talking about all this? Because the holiness of God is that which divides him from everyone and everything else. It is the quality of God being different, distinct, unique, one of a kind. A good definition of holiness is both God's majesty and God's moral purity. So how does God reveal his holiness to us? In other words, on what basis do I come to you today to describe to you that the Bible expresses and shows us and reveals to us the real God who is holy. Well, there's a few things. And it's found, I put those on the inside of your outline. How does God reveal his holiness to us? What does the Bible show us about God's holiness? And here's just a few highlights. First, through supernatural encounters with God. In, Mo, in Exodus 3, when Moses goes into the, the burning bush, he is told by God, don't come any closer. And he says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. Interestingly, Moses hid his face from God because he was afraid. God reveals his holiness through supernatural encounters. Moses meets God, John meets God, as Holly mentioned earlier. Daniel meets God, Isaiah meets God, and here's what I wanna say to you. Every time 
one of these encounters happens where God is revealing himself to a person, they are on their face. They are undone. And they, there's these supernatural encounters with God. We'll talk about Isaiah's crisis here in just a minute. There's another way that God shows himself, and that's through holy places. And you see this also in the Bible. The burning bush in Exodus 3, as I mentioned. The Red Sea in Exodus 14. The tabernacle, Exodus 25. Solomon's temple. The church was gathered in Acts chapter 3, verse 23 through 31. And heaven in John's revelation where he sees the Lord of which we sang. He reveals his holiness through places. And what we need to know is wherever God is, instantly it becomes holy. It is instantly holy. And so wherever God's presence is, it is holy. And also through the law in Exodus chapter 20. The Ten Commandments, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. The third way he reveals his holiness is through the law. These four commandments, are the first four commandments are, are all very distinctive. And it's really about the holiness of God. If you really look at the first four, it's, it's saying you'll have no graven in, images. Don't reduce me. Don't make a picture of me. Don't have an idol. Don't in any way try and re reduce me in some kind of form. My name is holy. It's my character. Don't misuse my name. Don't, don't do that. Don't reduce me in any way. Don't misuse my name. Don't make a vow on my name. The Sabbath, supernaturally, when I got done with creation, I stopped to pause for 24 hours. I want you to know I'm giving you a gift. And you will accomplish in six days what everybody else takes seven days as the people of God. And my hand will be upon you. And you will pause to remember. And then he goes on to share with us through the law those six healthy principles. And that is to be healthy and whole in relationships. Honor your mom and your dad. Don't commit murder. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. And it's these parameters that help us keep healthy relationships. It's also through the prophets. The people of God, just like us, we kind of stray away. And so to give you a little bit of this, I mean, we see in the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, that's just to name a couple, just to name a few. And a prophet's job here pretty much, is, this is it right here, all right? This was the prophet's job, and that is stop worshiping idols. That was it. That was the whole thing. Name your prophet. Here's the message. Stop worshiping idols. Enough of worshiping other gods. But God is holy and he is distinct. And so the prophet's job was very simple. It was to afflict the comfortable and it was to comfort the afflicted. For those who found their hope in God and hidden and the world did not celebrate or in their life, they got persecution and affliction because they found their hope in God he came, that prophet came to comfort them and he was there to also make those who are worshiping and living not under the rule of a holy God to make them uncomfortable. 
through his wrath and his judgment is another thing that we see in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see Achan, Achan's sin in Joshua 7. We see in Nehemiah 1, we see how the nation, the children of God had, had not only wandered from God, but just as he promised, they were then taken into exile, first to Assyria, then to Babylonia. And then, they, then in Nehemiah 1, we see this beautiful, how God brings it back. But even in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, and the church is disciplined in Acts 5. God's judgment, and it was for him, it was, that, it was like a virus. We understand viruses on computers, computers, don't we? You know how viruses get started and they just keep passed around? And it's the same thing and, and how it just kind of eats it. And this was God trying to clean up the virus of sin. So this is what God in his judgment was doing. It's also through his son. His son, how does, how does God reveal his holiness to us? Well, it's also through Jesus. I mean, uh, he had a holy birth, Isaiah 7, 14. A holy life, John 8, 46. A holy sneak preview in the transfiguration in Mark 9. Uh, an unholy death that we today are thankful for because he paid a price we could not pay. A holy resurrection, a holy ascension, a holy priesthood according to Hebrews 9 verses 11 through 28. Through his son, the Lord Jesus, his holy birth, his pure sinless life, we get a picture of who God is. And so for us, the day that Christ was crucified and the darkness covered and engulfed the scene was symbolic of the soul of rebellion. And then it came, it, then came the possibility of hope when his resurrection happened. And so when we think about John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, we find the hope of a relationship because he so loved and that he gave his only son, there was sacrifice. It was sacrificial. That whosoever believes in him, that's our confession, should not perish. That's the, the justification that we get that's judicial, but have everlasting life. That's eternal. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him he might become the righteousness of God. And so we as unholy people are made right only through Jesus's righteousness, through his people. That's another way that God reveals his holiness to us. This is where I want you to turn to Isaiah 6, verses one through six. Through the people of God, and, and we're gaining this glimpse of the majesty and holiness of God, and it's a light in a dark world. And so even in the Old Testament, just to consider the context, there's a deep crisis in Israel. Uh, here's a prophet in Israel, and the world is falling apart, and everyone is fearful, and the political situation is unsustainable. You know that sound familiar to you? And he's not sure, the prophet is not sure about it. And God, so he goes to meet with God and there was sort of this moment. And so we read, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
By the way, that's the crisis. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And so he goes to the temple and he gets this vision. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another. This, this is what this majestic scene that's filling all of this with. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound, the very sound of their voices, this is what the power of the scene The doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And here's the inward look. What Isaiah, when he sees all this, he says, woe is me. Now he is one of, painted in the Bible, a prophet of God. He is one of the most righteous guys on the planet. He is the prophet, he says, Woe is me, I cried, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He is undone. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard a voice of the Lord saying this, when, who shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, Lord, send me. We, when we look, and I'm guilty of this, when I look at my prayer requests, I'm always praying about other things and other stuff. We as Christians, many times, we spend a lot of time looking out the window. What about this prayer? God, change me. Change me. So many times we look even at the world and we have so many opinions, man. We got so many opinions. We're looking out the window. We're seeing some crazy stuff go on in this world. But you know what? God calls us to look in the mirror. Lord, how's my mouth? I love the picture. I know this is Old Testament. This is the prophet of God speaking to the children of Israel. As a foreshadowing of Jesus, we see the atonement that takes place. But don't you love it? There's this picture of this unclean man, unclean lips, everybody wears the hope. Only one little coal has to touch and all of it's gone. It's just a moment. I want to tell you that because of Jesus, lives, he makes, he comes and he, just with his touch, he forgives us and changes us in a moment. April 6, 1980, that happened for me. I know that there's a process for me, but I want you to know that what God at that point, here's a man who said, woe is me, oh no, I'm undone. Before God, I can't hide from God, all the stuff inside of me. And just with one touch, 
And I want to encourage you today. But here's two questions. And just in the amount of time I have left, there's two questions that this raises. And that is this. God's holiness, it really does raise these questions. If God is so holy that he cannot even gaze at sin, how can sinful people like us have a relationship with him? And so right there on your outline is Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. And here's why. How is it that sinful people can have a relationship with God? For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice it's not when we got cleaned up our act. Notice it's not when we got religious. It's not at that, at the right time, it says. When we were helpless, when we brought nothing to the transaction. And then he says, for one will hardly die for a righteous man, a good man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even die. Then underline verse 6. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Put a circle around that little word for. What did Christ die for? What did Christ die for? Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. I want you to know something today. And I'm saying this in the name of Jesus to encourage your heart because some of you have believed a lie. According to the word of God and through faith in Jesus Christ, you were not created for wrath. You were created for eternal life with God. Because this is for while we were enemies, we were reconciled. For while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved from that. Here's the second question that brings up, and that is this. If trusting in Christ's work on the cross blots out our sin before God, and we are holy in his sight, why do we keep on sinning? It's like, well, Johnny, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I put three things in your outline, and that is justification, sanctification, and glorification. Just want to explain this to you. Sanctification. Here's the deal. The moment you put your faith in Christ as Savior, you are legally declared righteous. So sin's penalty, in other words, the penalty for sin, you are forgiven because Christ's work, and as I said, I I want you to love this picture. And so I want to encourage you today. That's justification. That's what happened when Christ died on the cross. He paid a debt you could not pay. That's being justified by Christ. And so you have new life. It's positional holiness. Point in time, status with God. This is a matter of God and his word claiming his promises. Here's the second thing, though. There's another word. It sounds very religious, but it's called sanctification. And that's where God, we're made right with God 
But at the same time, there's still a war going on inside of us. There's an old nature that we need to clean up. And so there's a progressive holiness, an ongoing improvement that takes place. The sanctification is progressive. And, and, and I begin my practice to become holy. And so I now, you know, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to sin or not. Now I can choose to live righteously. And then there's a third word, glorification, and that is we, we become born again. Christ, we are justified by faith, and then we are sanctified and made more like it. But there will come a day, and all of us here, every person here is going to die. And there will come a day when you will be glorified, not because of our own work, because we are justified through Jesus. And he is working out some stuff in our life that we've got to clean up, but there's gonna come a day of glorification. And so that's what's important for us to know is that why do we keep on sinning? Well, until we're glorified, I mean, even God's working some things out in our mouth, in how we talk, in how we act, in, in our own motivations and everything. Some of that's really hard in sanctification. But let me tell you something. In the day, you're, there's going to come a day where you are going to live in glorification when you meet the Lord. So how do you respond to this? How do you respond? Well, here's just a couple of things. One is this. It's a decision that we make. We make a decision to respond to the holiness of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You don't slide into holiness. You don't just kind of, you know, just doesn't happen by accident. It's a commitment to, to decide. It's, it's uh, Lord, on my own I can't do it, but I wanna be holy, Lord. I wanna be set apart. I wanna be a person who follows after you. I, I wanna be continually transformed, Lord. Help me to do that, help me to do that. This is what it doesn't look like right here. This is what a pursuit of holiness does not look like right here, all right? I am doing better than other people. I think I have uh, this struggle and I come from this family background. So anger is an issue in our family. So that's just what we do. Or it's not like this either. And everyone I know in my family, well, they have been divorced. And, you know, it's really hard for us. And we don't do relationships very well. So I had this problem with this. Or, you know, I have a natural propensity towards this. Stop it! It's a choice. And so I want to encourage you. This is easier said than done. I want to encourage you today to be intentional. And don't believe the lie. This is just the way you are. Make a choice. Decide. Decide. I'm here to encourage you. God has a plan for your life. He's not only, he's left you the word of God so that you can know him and he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit if you know him to become more like him. Because here's the deal. It's a command we obey. First Peter chapter one, verse 13. Therefore, 
So as we leave here today, I know we're having Fall Fest this afternoon and I know that we're going home and we're, we're gonna be going back to work tomorrow, we're going back to school tomorrow. We're going to go right back into it. So listen, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, as you obey the Lord, as you respond to God to obey him, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, of what you stuff you came out of, but as he who called you is holy, also be holy in your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And it's true, on our own, in our own power, we can't do this. But because we have the word of God, we also have the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we have each other, we also, we have the ability for us to be encouraged by one another. I wanna encourage you today. Some of you have believed the lie And one of the things I want to just say to you guys, something is all summer and all fall, I have been in this, I am telling you now, there's something the Spirit of God has been speaking to me about this, and that is this. One of the things that I think has happened happening in this gathering is that God is trying to break down some walls. And there are some of you that might not be walking with the Lord and you struggle with that, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, you might, you know, I look at Jim Martin, I go, man, alive, I am so far away, I don't know how to, I'm frustrated, I'm not there, I'm undone, I don't know if I can ever get to that. You know what I'm saying is, you take the next step. Take the next step to follow God. And that is, listen to me, I know sitting here this morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to you about some things in your life that you need to adjust. Maybe a wall that needs to be broken down that you need to chip away at so that you would adjust yourself to God. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and not just me. I want you to listen to the urging of God that would encourage you to follow him. And so that's what I, not, I just don't want you to quit. I want you to hold on to the Lord. I want you to trust him. He is holy and we have to choose to live with that. And some of us are just a one small step would be a huge thing to you. And we wanna celebrate that. We wanna do that. We do not want, I'm just here to say, don't you dare give up. Because God, your destiny is to become more like Jesus. Your destiny is to become more like Jesus. And so I don't want you to give up. I'm gonna ask someone to come right now. Elijah, come on up here. I just wanna have a holy moment and spend some time with God. And if you wanna pray with somebody about anything, maybe you've got a diagnosis, maybe it is that you've got some bad news, maybe it is that you're struggling with something, you need to pray with somebody, I'm gonna invite you to come right over here to the cross. There'll be some folks here to pray with you. And these folks will be there. And, and if you want to pray with somebody, that's fine. If you want to just spend some time, I want us to do that just for a moment. And then I'll kind of close. Elijah's going to play here just for a second. And, and I want us just to spend some time. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, what is it today 
that you want to do in us. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you would help us to adjust ourselves to you. Father, today, I pray that you would show us through your word. Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray, Lord, today that you would increase our capacity to believe. Father, I thank you that you have not left us alone, that, Lord, you are still after us. Lord, help us to adjust ourselves to you. Lord, I pray tonight now that you would help us to confess those things as sin and to denounce them. Lord, I pray for deliverance over every form of addiction. I pray for deliverance and healing over marriages. I pray for all of those things to take place. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to adjust ourselves to you. And I'm praying that in Jesus' name. Amen.